0: MLMs, multi-level marketing companies. Is that the easy, fun way to make a lot of extra money? Today, we will uncover the side of MLMs that you may not be aware of. This is the Seven Figures Podcast, smart money strategies for women with Sandy Waters. From the Stacking Benjamins podcast, Joe Salcihai is with us. Hello, friend. I'm so happy to be
1: back. <laughs> I can't believe you let me back on.
0: I am so grateful that you keep coming back on.
1: Well, thank you for having me because we, you and I, we always have fun.
0: You're from the Stacking Benjamins podcast. You also were in your before life, before the podcasting life, you were a financial planner. For how many years did you do that? 16. Really? And then yeah, you said, long, long forget it. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to have my own show. Because
1: <laughs> you know,
0: because all the money's in
1: podcasting. <laughs> that's right. That's that, that's why. No, actually, it's, it is it it is kind of an interesting story. I don't know if we've ever talked about it. But when I was uh, a financial planner, just before I turned 40, I had this mentor who gave us two weeks notice. And people that know about the finance industry know that when you leave a company, you don't do that. You leave at midnight with all the client files. And then it's like a Jerry Maguire situation Ah. where you're calling the client, they're calling the client. He gave two weeks notice and he said, you know, I really like uh, financial advising. I don't love it. And I just think that before I get too old, he said, quote, there are other mountains I want to climb. And he actually went. And climb Mount Everest twice after that. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, he was not what? kidding. And he's he's climbed most of the major peaks. He now runs an adventure travel company. And he just loves what he does. And not just me, but a bunch of people who he was mentoring. Uh, We all kind of felt the same. Like it it was the first time I really looked inwardly and said, Is this what I want to do forever? Like, is this all I want to do? Because I like it, but I don't love it. And the media piece, it turns out, the teaching piece is what I really like. So Mm -hmm. I actually sold my business. I had a franchise and I went back and uh, went back to school to become a high school teacher and a track coach. And sadly, I while I was taking classes, I realized that uh, that wasn't going to be as much fun as teaching my own way.
0: So I created a blog. I love that. My own way. I see. So I, I don't uh-huh. need any administrators to tell <laughs> me what to tell do. Tell me how to teach. Okay. That's
1: right. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, so, you know, uh, that became the Stacky Benjamin show.
0: And, you know, that's the perfect transition into what we're going to talk about today multi level marketing companies. And gosh, they're all over, right? You Now, with social media, you're seeing it even more. And every time we bring this topic up on the radio show that I host, Spazzano and Sandy, without a doubt, Tons of people are calling in, kind of in the same situation you were, where I kind of liked my job, but I needed something else. Or, you know, I had a kid and I wanted to be more present at home. It's the best business and you can make so much money. And that's what it keeps going back to. All the money that you can make from it. So you are here today to tell us the truth about these companies, because I have yet to hear anybody say anything negative about them.
1: (laughs) Well, it depends on what crowd you hang out in. Cause it's either all positive all the time or it's all negative all the time. Ah, like okay. it's either they're all rip offs or it's the best thing ever. The truth, like anything, I think Sandy, it, and I know you believe this is in the middle, right? The thing that frustrates me about multi-level marketing is when, when people talk about something for nothing, if anyone ever pitches you on a business where you can sit around with your feet up mm-hmm. and make a ton of money, and you don't have to do much, that's the first sign that this, this sales pitch is, isn't is based in reality. Ask any business owner. You're going, a multi-level marketing company is a, still a company. You have to work to make money. And as long as you know that you're going to have to work to make money, that's great. And if anybody ever tells you, hey, you know what, you can make a bunch of money and do nothing, look back at them and ask, so why are you sitting at my kitchen table on at 730 in the evening, on a Tuesday night, explaining how great this is. <laughs> That's instead true. Of, instead of being at home with your family, right?
0: You see all the the videos and the pictures that they post, that they're at this awesome conference in this awesome location, is staying at this awesome hotel, and they're having the best time ever, and you should be a part of our group. Look how fun and easy it is to make money. So you're saying there's a whole other side of this that we're not really seeing, being exposed to.
1: Any any job is a job. And if you go into uh, any business uh, having what a lot of people call a service mindset, I want to serve a customer, mm-hmm. you're doing it correctly. If you want uh, a potential customer to just serve you and you're going to sit around with your feet up, you're probably even getting into the business for the wrong reason. Like if you think about that, who wants to be a customer of yours if you don't ever want to serve, serve yeah. that person? So uh, I've got some interesting statistics. A guy named John Taylor, PhD, uh, back I think in 2015, wrote a white paper called The Case for and Against Multilevel Marketing. And this, by the way, is on the Federal Trade Commission website. He says that in the first year of operation, a minimum of 50 percent of people that go into MLMs drop out. After five years, a minimum of 90% of people have left the company and by year number 10 only those at or near the top of the pyramid have dropped out making it safe to say at least 95% of representatives have dropped out so oh, it wow. is a it is a business and yeah. you can make money but the vast majority of people don't make any money and i think though sandy i don't think it's because of the i don't think it's because of the products I think if you go in with a product mindset that I've got these products and I really like these products and I think that people around me should have these products, I think then you're going in with your head on straight. But I think if you go in with these unrealistic expectations that a lot of the people at the top are selling, Mm -hmm. that instead of selling a product, I'm going to sell you on selling the product so I don't have to. I think that's when that's when it comes crumbling down.
0: I did not realize how many people drop out. I never hear those stories about the dropouts. It's I know like they're now. shunned. Like we don't yeah, right. we don't speak of them.
1: Well, why would you, right? <laughs> oh, why, that's true. Why, yeah. Yeah. Why would you? And I'll tell you, I, I actually think that if I were to do MLM, um, I would, I would spend a lot of time talking about how great the products are because I think that's attractive. If, Sandy, you're a friend of mine, if you see me knocking it out of the park with this fantastic product that I'm selling and I seem to have this lifestyle that I enjoy, I enjoy selling the product, I get along great with my customers, I think that is much more attractive that you will then come to me and go, Joe, how do I do what you do? Like, is, is there a way that I could do that too? Don't you often see it presented as a way to get out of the crappy thing you're doing now? Like I often see it as, you know, Sandy, how much you hate that job down at the whatever. Uh, I've got a way out of that.
0: Now, do you think that this is good to maybe start or try out while you still are working and then see where it goes?
1: I, I really like that approach. Uh, You know, uh, for, friends that have done really well in business do really well by bootstrapping the business, uh, by getting into it a little piece at a time, you dip your toe in, you still have the full-time income, mm-hmm. so you don't have to worry about making the, end, the ends meet today. Uh, I I really, really like that. In fact, I'm thinking of, there's a big conference that I go to every year called FinCon, and even the creator of this monster conference, when he first started out, Sandy, he he just started up a, a website online part-time while he was an accountant. So full-time he was an accountant and after his kids went to bed at night, he'd spend a couple hours every night just working on this little website of his. Pretty soon, the website got big, and then he thought, I wanted more of a sense of community. Uh, by then, he'd already uh, scaled back his job to part-time, and now he was making part-time income on the website, part-time income as a as an accountant, and then later on, w- went to full-time and started up this huge conference that tons of bloggers and podcasters and people yeah. in financial media go to.
0: It's massive. So, yeah. okay, so that's what you would suggest with any entrepreneurial Uh, Endeavor that you're gonna, you know, try out is, and this is what it is, right? MLNs are like you're, you are your own business owner. Well, and that's the way
1: I like to think about anything is whether or not you go all in or bootstrap it and go a piece at a time. Think about it as if it's a business. Don't think about it as if it's just a, a way to freedom. Think about it as I'm starting up a business, and I would suggest. And this uh, piece that I was referencing earlier also suggests, if you're thinking about an MLM, it might be better and your chance of success is probably better if you just start a business on your own. Starting a business on your own means that you have ultimate control. Now, there's good news and bad news there. The good news is... Ultimate control means you're going to make great decisions or bad decisions, and it's all going to, everything's going to rest on uh, how good those decisions are that you make and the advisors that you have in your corner. Uh, A franchise, as an example, is another way to make money. A franchise, you will get rich less quickly because of the fact that you have to pay the franchisee. But but there's an exchange there, Sandy. You know what the exchange is? If if you've come up with the idea for McDonald's and I just buy a McDonald's, I don't have to have a bunch of ideas. I just go implement the idea of a McDonald's. Yeah. Everybody knows it's already successful, and bam. It's
0: a, yeah, it's a tried and true plan. You just follow it. Stick Absolutely. to
1: it. Yes. So with a franchise, you're not going to become wealthy as fast either. And frankly, for a franchise, you're going to have to buy in because the person that came up with the idea is going to want money in exchange for that idea. McDonald's charges. I don't know if people know this, but you have to pay a lot of money to get a McDonald's. And then you pay them for all of the, not just intellectual capital, but also for the supplies every month. And they take a little bit off the top all the time as you go. So I think MLM, even though it can work, and I don't like it when somebody says all MLMs are bad, probably the business model that fails the most. Franchises are a great way for people that don't have a phenomenal idea, but want to latch on to somebody else's idea, and they really like it. Th- that that I think is more attractive to me. If you're really interested in wealth, but it's going to be a full, t- more than a full-time job. It's going to be a 70, 80 hour a week job. Start your own business because um, you're more likely, I think, to win
0: that way. And then with all three of those, though, it's going to take time. You're not going to make the money quick. There is no get rich quick.
1: And I'm even amazed with our little podcast. You know, p- people, people who say your podcast is so good. And it's so new. No, our podcast has been around for eight years. We've been working in obscurity for a long, long time. How
0: long time. did it take to actually start generating money? I mean, you got into the podcast world at the right time, but how yeah. long did it take for you to start generating money? Were there Two moments minutes. where you were like, oh, God, this is let's abort mission. Let me do something else. At the
1: two-year mark, my co-host Og and I were looking across our little card table at each other, and he literally said, "What the hell are we doing? <laughs> like, what, like what? Like nobody's listening." It was growing, but it was growing slowly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but not not fast enough. I mean, if we could live to be 250 years old, this thing was going to be huge at some point. But it, it it wasn't going anywhere. And then we actually completely blew up the show at the two and a half year mark, redid everything and immediately Sandy immediately lost a third of our listeners. Oh really? A third of our listeners went bye-bye right away. And I got nasty notes from people saying, Ah. You blew up my show. I loved the show. How could you do this? I hate the new show. And I remember one person I wrote back this long answer because I love talking about how podcasts are made about how, yes, we're not good at it yet. And I totally agree, but this way is better. It's going to be awesome. And she wrote back immediately, said, You're the most egotistical person I've had. She didn't say person. (laughs) Most <laughs> statistical person I've ever talked to. And you're so full of yourself. But, but I'll tell you within three months, not only did we have all those listeners back, but oh, the actually. show grew much faster than much, yeah. much faster.
0: Yeah.
1: But I'll tell you for us, you know, it was, it was going from part-time. It was going from part-time, like we talked about to commitment. And I think at some point, once you know that what you're doing is the way forward, Mm -hmm. you have to commit. And there's always going to be this scary time where you go, you know what, this is it. So at that time, I was blogging. I was doing a bunch of other things. I quit doing all that. And I said, it's the podcast. We're going to commit to this podcast. And at that point, the show grew quickly.
0: And that's a good lesson, too. You have to be consistent. When you think it's failing, yeah, look at it. Make sure it's the right product that you want to put out there, but you have to be consistent. And everything, everybody, I think, goes through those moments where they're like, ah, I don't know if this is going to work. Just stick through it.
1: Well, I totally agree. The consistency and building a business and building systems, so, so, so important as you go. But you know what? That ends up being the fun.
0: Okay. So now let's switch gears a little bit. I know you get a lot of feedback from your listeners. Is there a question that keeps coming up or a common worry that a lot of people have, or even a, a misconception about finances that you've noticed? The
1: the 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 hardest thing, let's talk about investing. Um, and I thought about this for a long time. And this has been a big question lately. When's the recession coming? And what do we do about it? Like mm-hmm. all we hear about now is there's a recession coming. It's right around the corner. Everybody's worried about the recession. Well, a good financial planner has a strategy ahead of time. A good business has a strategy ahead of time. You don't want to do anything when the recession actually hits. You want to have a plan ahead of time and then work the plan. So I would say this, if you're worried about what happens if I lose my job, what happens if my credit card debt ever gets out of control? What happens if my spouse passes away? Like these uh, contingency plans, Develop the contingency plan when you don't need one ahead Uh, of time Yeah, and set it off to the side and say, you know what, this is here for when everybody else goes into panic mode. Because it's funny that, you know, the economy keeps going along, the stock market keeps going along. And yet the longer it goes, more people say, well, I wonder, I wonder how I should panic.
0: I feel like I should be panicking. Should I be panicking? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because everyone's telling us we should be panicking. It's weird. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's not one question, but that's but that's a category question that yeah. we've gotten a lot lately. Well, how do I pan it correctly, the way the way you pan it <laughs> correctly? Well, and there's a good analogy. When I was a financial planner, I had I had a client that uh, uh, worked for the highway commission, and he he would build roads. And he told me, he said, you know what, before we ever start off on a construction project, the first thing we do is this whole whiteboard of what are all the things that could go wrong with oh. this project. And then they eliminate all those things. And only, he said, only once he's eliminated all those things, does he start
0: building. Let's all follow that. That's awesome. Great. What, is, what is your now smart money strategy? Personally, what do you and your wife do? The one big thing that you're like, this is it. Everybody should adopt this.
1: Uh, if you're planning with somebody else, have a weekly fun meeting about your money. W- ours, Sandy, is always either over wine or with pancakes, depending on the time of day. <laughs> and so it's always either in the Those morning- are so
0: two extremes. Wine <laughs> or pancake. Can you have both?
1: If you have them together, I don't know. I don't breakfast know.
0: for dinner, don't you do that ever at your house?
1: But dinner for breakfast, I don't. I don't yeah, <laughs> if, I, if I'm day drinking, one way it might be fine. <laughs> if you're having pancakes in the afternoon, that's good. If you're having wine with your pancakes in the morning at the IHOP, that's bad. Yeah. If, if you're asking the IHOP for a <laughs> corkscrew, <you're> probably. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we really like it. What we do, it's very simple. It's once a week and we just talk about what bills came up the week before. So we look through all of the expenses on our app that we use to track our money. So we just go through that app and all the expenses we had and look for the big ones and kind of chat about those. And then we talk about what's coming up the next week. Like, are there any priorities, big expenses that we have the next week? And then that, that generally has has us asking a couple of questions like, you know, we haven't looked at our investment accounts lately or, or we haven't, what's going on with our homeowners insurance. Maybe we should look at that. Okay. So that brings up some questions. We kind of give each other to do's. It's not that it's not that formal, but we're, we're just, you know, Cheryl says, Hey, you want to call the homeowners people and see if maybe there's something there. So different things come up and I'll tell you what happens. We have that every week that kind of keeps us on the same page And it's way better than a written budget. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm a nerd, I have a written budget, we do all that, but just the fact that we talk about it is way, 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 way better. A thousand times better.
0: Do you have separate accounts or joint? All joint?
1: We have separate accounts, but with access to all. So in other words, when I pull money, I pull money from one account, but she's on that account. She pulls money from another account, but, but I'm on that account. So, and we pay different bills out of, out of different accounts. And that's just because we're two people moving very quickly. And the way I do accounting is different than the way she does accounting. And when we tried to share an account, it just got messy. So now we say, OK, she's she pays this, this and this out of that account and then her expenses out of that account, you know, daily expenses, whatever. And then I do the same out of a separate account. Oh, see, so so, you now
0: that's an interesting way to do it. Rarely do you find two people in a relationship that manage their budget the exact same way. Right. There's, yes, it's right. always very different. But one person will just take the lead. The other person will take a back seat and be like, fine. But now your way is pretty interesting that you just recognize that you're both very different. So therefore you have your two accounts.
1: We tried to do it together at first and put it put money in one account. And I'll tell you the disagreements we had, just yeah. because you didn't tell me about X, I didn't know. And we're spending money at the same time, so this way she can keep track of her account, I can keep track of mine. It all it all flows into in the app into one list of expenses, okay. so we see it anyway. The other thing that we do is uh, allowances. And that's because she has some expenses that I think are just absolutely stupid.
0: Oh, really? And, like what? And she, and she has some expense. She, <laughs> Name one. She loves to buy. I can, I can feel the pitchforks. in that <laughs> the, by the way. Wait, hang on. Name one and I will isolate this and send it over to your wife. What,
1: oh, don't <laughs> get me wrong. She, I have some expenses that she thinks are incredibly oh, dumb. Oh, I'm too. sure. I'm sure yes. you do. Uh,
0: she, you totally dodged that question. No, no, no. I'll tell you. Okay. We love to... I I was trying to.
1: (laughs) I got the feeling you weren't going to let me.
0: I would like to judge (laughs) how you judge your wife and her spending.
1: I'll tell you you what it used to be, and I'll tell you what it is now. Okay. It it used to be for a long time, if she really liked a movie, she'd always go buy the DVD. And we never watch it again.
0: Ah, okay. But, but
1: she had this feeling with the movie that she liked it. So she buy the DVD and I would keep asking, I'm like, you know, we, it's going to come out on Netflix at some point, or it's going to be on something. Why don't we just rent it from time to time? But she would buy the DVD. And I realized that that wasn't going to change now. Now that streaming is such a part of our life. Now, whenever we love to travel, she buys 40,000 travel guides about that place. Doesn't go to the library. Doesn't don't uh, go online. Doesn't go to TripAdvisor. She loves the tactile feeling of oh. the folder's guide. If anybody listening to this is going anywhere, I have a travel guide for it. Well, I don't too. <laughs> Me, I have a basement full of board games. Um, and we have game night here in the basement, and it's really fun, but but I have a basement full of board games. Whenever I bring home a new board game, she's like, What the, what are you doing? Oh my I'm gosh, like,
0: you yeah, guys are funny. But, but the point is, is that <laughs> what's the most expensive board game you've bought?
1: Uh, probably. Well, there was one. Okay, there was a game that was way, way out. Of, we're going way <laughs> off the rails. Uh,
0: we are, but I'm curious. Do we really want to talk about this? I want to see. Did you drop a hundred dollars on a board game?
1: Oh, over there was so over? there was. Over. Oh god. Hold, <laughs> hold on. There, there was a game about bicycling. That is a, uh, and it's really fun, but they had, a, it It was game of the year back in the early 1990s. Uh, it's a German game. And the reason it's really hard to find is because of the fact that they had a warehouse fire. They had this huge warehouse fire oh. and it, and most of them were gone. So it was more of a collector's item. And sure I think are. I spent, I spent $185 okay. All on,
0: right.
1: on that game, but yes, but anyway, but that wasn't the point. <laughs> The point is a lot of people think that's dumb. I think the travel guide thing's dumb. We have an allowance that we give ourselves that that, that is X amount of money and she doesn't question my board game, I don't question the travel guide because the travel guide's important to her, the board game's important to me, it's not my job to judge, we have enough money to afford them, so we, we okay. just put a cap on how much we're gonna spend on those things.
0: I love it, that. that's great. <laughs>
1: She's looking at me like, yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> okay, you board game freak. That's right, nerd. <laughs> the money geek, the board game geek, right here. Joe hi from the Stacking Benjamin Show. Thank you so much. Thanks
1: for asking me. This has been fun as always. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs>
0: next week on the podcast, reclaiming your financial life after divorce or the loss of a spouse. Dr. Grace Harlow Klein joins the conversation. She has years of wisdom to share. All right. You have a fantastic weekend and I will talk to you next Friday. Cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at sandy at rochesterbuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Seven Figures Podcast. Smart money strategies for women.